Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbunt on Twitter, and I have with me today uh, someone whose games I've been really interested in and someone who's uh, writing recently, uh, more and more I've been interested in. Uh, we have a video Dante, Dante Douglas on the podcast. Dante, welcome. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. I, it was funny when I messaged you for this because I was I was looking at a bunch of people to bring on and I was like, oh, I got to I got to message Dante. That would be a great guest. And <laughs> Good. I messaged Sweet. I'm you. Glad. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, of course. And I messaged you and realized we talked about it like in 2017. We're like, yeah, we'll definitely get on. Oh, yeah, because it because it was around. Was it wasn't it? It was around the time of Games Workers Unite kind of yes. happening. Right? Yes. Right. Yeah. And I had a so couple like people early, from Games Workers. Early 2018. On. Yeah. I saw that you had yeah. um. You've had Emma on, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep, yep. And Liz, right? Okay. And Liz yeah. and um, and uh, uh, Burger Drone, who also uh, works oh. uh, in Australia. And I talked to, oh, I talked yes. to a couple people from there, too. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's been really, really good. Um, that, 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 that group of folks was, was super interesting to talk to. It was a really interesting mm-hmm. moment. That's totally why yeah. we, we got in touch. Um, Hell yeah, yeah. But now, but like, anyway. <laughs> a, little less, a little less, like, uh, you know, serious talk, I guess. But yeah. maybe it'll get there. Yeah. Um, I really like your games. I think they're really cool, Thanks. and I think there's a lot to say about them. Um, could you tell me a little bit about, because um, I haven't actually gotten to play it because I don't have any friends who uh, wanted to play it on such short notice. I have friends that want to play it, but I couldn't get them together. No. Yeah, getting getting people together for any sort of tabletop stuff is a sport in and of itself, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I remember. The, the only table, and this is, I'm sure I've said this 800 times in the podcast, but the only tabletop mm-hmm. I ever played was like a couple nights, a couple long nights of, um, of uh, oh, why am I forgetting the name of the the the, the cyberpunk game? Um, the sprawl. No, no, no. Uh, no, the other one. Yeah, Shadow the other Run? one. Shadowrun. Shadowrun. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I played Shadowrun with some friends, and it was great. I loved it, and then we could never yeah. find time to get together. And I was like, and oh, that's this that's is cool. really the problem. Like, I feel so like blessed right now that I am like <laughs> that I found a group of friends who we can get together semi regularly. And just play. We've been playing the sprawl. We've been playing the okay. campaign of the sprawl, and like that's good as hell. I love, I love the sprawl. Shoutouts to Hamish Cameron who wrote the sprawl. It's a good ass game. Um, Sweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, you were saying something. No, about I mean that. Me. that no, it, I'm just, <laughs> just agreeing with you. Like the yeah, the, okay. 
that is just like such a such the the feeling I get from it, which is like when it all comes together, it's really really fun, and then um, for ninety five percent of the time beyond that, it is just constantly being like, "Hey man, are you around today? All right, yes. cool. I guess not." <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a mess. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, you have a game it, epitaph, right? Correct. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, were you the, were going? Yeah, that I feel way? like. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to do? I, I don't even think I really. We explained who I am <laughs> a little bit. Okay. Why don't you explain? Right. Explain who you are. And, sure. And okay. I'm. You want. My name is Dante Douglas. I am a writer and stuff. Uh, mostly a writer, <laughs> uh, but what that means is kind of vague. Uh, I I do. I make video games. I write game criticism. I freelance for a million places uh and also i make games every now and then so yeah i i made a game uh for a jam recently on itch.io uh you can find all my games at videodante.itch.io but like uh, and a lot of them are jams right or like out of jams yeah no yeah. no extremely yeah also they're just jams you know <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, they're, cool, they're like, also my yeah. jam yeah no, don't worry <laughs> uh but no a lot of them are jams because like honestly okay a couple things go into that one is that i got my start making games from like going to local game jams okay um especially when i was in college uh i i would attribute a lot of my like game dev experience to the fact that uh eugene oregon has a fairly sizable indie game community which is really cool so i was yeah so i was able to like go to those go to those meetups meet people do shit like that um and so yeah then jams jams are my honestly probably my favorite way to make games just because i have very little time <laughs> and, and it's very yeah. easy it's very easy for me to like force myself to like yo you got three days like finish this shit like finish it in three days it doesn't matter cut shit it, it, game jams are really great to get you used to cutting out scope creep which is mm-hmm. just which is just a huge you know it's a huge issue in games in, in game dev like it oh i mean of course i will uh, so uh, scalebound just got announced as yeah. a switch thing and that's like mm-hmm. to me that was before it got re-announced and maybe it will still be after it gets canceled again um yeah. sort of like central <laughs> central yeah. like poster child for for skiff for scale creep. i mean i feel like there's a million almost any game i mean we don't know the stories behind canceled games a lot of the time but i mm-hmm. feel like a lot of the time for canceled games it's pretty uh likely that yeah. scope creep was a part of their cancellation. Oh yeah. Because everyone loves to brainstorm and nobody likes to make games. <laughs> like, oh no. I'd be like, that's I a lie. I, I love can't... making games, but well, no, you know but what I mean, mean. <laughs> the, the sort of like actual hard work of doing is, is yeah. fun in more of a theoretical sense. I'd imagine like, exactly. I could, yep. <laughs> I could totally, I could totally imagine people being like, Oh, are, so like a good example. I just heard the story that, um, I'm playing through metal gear, all the metal gears again for, uh, mm-hmm. for a, 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 a book, uh, pressy I'm writing. Okay. And, um, yes, yeah. yeah, which is fun. I mean, it's, it's a good time, but, yeah. um, I was talking to someone about it and they were saying that, uh, they were saying that the, um, the, uh, the ice melting, I don't know. I don't know how well you remember metal gear solid two, or if you played it or not, but the, um, I didn't, but okay. go on. I know. I probably will know what you're talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a famous thing in metal gear solid two, which is, and it was huge when it came out. People were so excited mm-hmm. about it, which is that, um, ice in drinks melts, so you can tell how long the drink's been there. <laughs> That's like a detail, sort of like. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. yeah. That's something, that is definitely something I imagine like, oh yeah, the PS2, like that would have been fucking ridiculous. That right. would have been the most ridiculous shit you'd ever seen. Exactly. Like, it's just like, what? No way. Yeah. No, you can see the ice cubes. Like that is just like <laughs> up next level. Well, yeah. apparently like that's only in there because um, Kojima uh, really hated this one producer who didn't like that idea. 
So he just <laughs> <laughs> so like, pours it to go in. We need to do this. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like yeah. if you have someone like that at the helm who has like the, you know, the cultural cachet and the money behind him or her, yes. then yep. you can, you can do, they can kind of have uh, scope creep as much as they want. But that's the kind of right. thing where like, if you start adding stuff like that in, however cool it sounds, I'm sure at some point it's just like, we can't do this anymore. This, this isn't yeah. a game. This is a bunch of good ideas. Exactly. And that is something that I really, I mean, like, like I said, I kind of started playing, um, uh, or I started making games at Game Jams, like probably when I was like midway through college, uh, where I had enough time to just devote an entire weekend to one project. And I remember them very specifically because the very first game jam I went to, actually the very first game jam I went to, I made a nothing game that was garbage and I never put it anywhere. But (laughs) the second game jam I went to was the one that was my fucking forged in flames experience with uh scope creep where (laughs) we decided this is going to be such a fucking inside baseball bullshit thing if you don't know how game dev works but basically we had uh we had 14 people show up to this jam uh and some idiot possibly me probably me was like (laughs) let's make one game now as a bit of background you don't usually do that at game jams yeah i was gonna say i don't understand game jams to work that way Nope, no, no, no. Usually you kind of get into groups of like two or three, but me and some other people were like, here's an idea. What if we all made one game? Uh, and it turns and out no one that's, stopped you. No one stopped us, except for the Game Jam organizer who gave us a lot of heed. He, he gave us some words of warning, but he's like, you know what? I'm not going to stop you. Like, if you want to do this, do it. Uh, the Man. game turned out to be a sloppy mess. Our pipeline was unbearable. Our pipeline was like, because we had so many people, we couldn't. And we didn't have any, oh God, we didn't have any like file sharing. So it just turned into like, I'm going to gray box the level based on a static image that you give me. And then we're going to put the static image in front of the gray box and the player, it's, it was a mess. It was a garbage mess. Game was very <laughs> bad. I felt terrible afterward because I was like, I was one of the people who pushed for this. And this was such a bad idea. But on the plus side, great learning experience. There you go. <laughs> because no, There's well, nothing like, nothing succeeds <laughs> like failure. That's like that's the yeah. the, the and other a lot of, yeah exactly a lot of a lot of that game jam for us was like six people hunched around a table being like what if this happened and what if this happened and what if this happened later and we like had this huge design doc and none of those things made it into the game. Well, of course not yeah. absolutely none of them because of course you can't anyway game jams are cool because they teach you not to do that <laughs> <laughs> well that explains a lot of like so like what I like yeah. about your games is the I mean and and I you know I played. I played your first game on itch and then I'm looking at epitaph and obviously that's like five years of development. So like it's clear that you've, you've honed this, but like there's a sense even in that old, in the, in the old sort of like um, the, 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 the cyborg in space uh, twine sort of game um, that uh, you have a sense of like, Oh, oh, cohesion there. Yeah. Yeah. This is a funny story. That cyborg in space game was the game that I wrote on the third day of that garbage jam that I just mentioned, (laughs) because I was like, this is the story I want to tell, but I have learned that I cannot do that (laughs) in a, in a group of 14 people who don't really, none of us were like experienced game devs. Well, so it's, actually, it's if cool you though, yeah. Game, yeah, if you played the game Chrononaut, that was me like literally I slapped that together the last day of the jam and I'm like, uh, this is what I actually wanted to say. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, funny story about that one. Well, uh, but yeah, no, but I, like what's cool about it is like it, there, it feels like there's a there's a level of like, OK, you can't tell this story fully. And that's kind of part of yeah. the point of the story. And I mean, that kind of goes through the whole it goes through Epitaph because like Epitaph, yeah. as you say in here, is like 
it's a game about far flung future and the consequences of divine mechanical combat. And it's like, oh, cool. So it's like Valkyria Chronicles X. Like, cool. We're, this is yeah. going to be so fun. And then the whole game is about like, you know, there's, there's all these terms and ideas and stuff. And it's just like, it's a game about finding out something you can't actually find out. Yeah, so it's so it's, cool it's, to me. No, no, no. It's it's funny. It's funny that you you bring that up because that is. I'm like I'm glad that you found that because that is kind of. I feel like my only game design impetus over the past however many fucking years has just been <laughs> that I've learned that minimalism is a very useful tool if you don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is in many it's a cheat because it is a cheat i'm not i'm not going to ever pretend it's not there's a reason most of my games are in two colors it's because that takes less time <laughs> like <laughs> there's a reason there's a reason that i make these choices and it's mostly because of time and energy and availability of like my ability right so for uh technically i think my quote unquote most popular game is diviner which was a game that i slept together for a global game jam like 3 years ago and it's just a game about drawing or throwing symbols into a fire and then a little poem gets spat back out at you. And I was really happy with that one because I'm just going to like shout this out because like this was a huge thing was like I started listening to. Did you ever listen to the podcast Tone Control with Steve? Gainer? No, no. OK, it was on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, like, geez, I, I think the first season came out years and years ago, like okay. probably 2013, 2014. Um and it was just it was interviews with game developers by oh, Steve Gaynor. And this nice. was I think I think this all happened kind of before or after Gone Home came out. I can't remember exactly. Okay. Um, but a lot of just listening to that. And this was back when I was in college and I really wanted to be in game dev. And so I was listening to these podcasts and I was just I was just trying to just fucking ingest as much of this wisdom <laughs> as possible. And like the podcast is called Tone Control because it's about in many ways, like a lot of the episodes were about the concept of controlling tone and like controlling the player's experience through your uh, ludic space or whatever. Right. Uh, like through right. your game. Um, and I one, I love that concept just in general. But two, I found like, OK, so. When I'm making a game like uh, like Diviner, which I still I mean, like it's my baby because it's my baby. Diviner's a cool game. game. I really liked it. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you had a lot to say about it anymore. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Game. The thing is, I don't think I ever really talked about it like on any podcast or anything. I was oh, too okay. much of a nobody on the Internet at the time. But like uh, the thing about Diviner that like makes me still very, very happy with it is I was like, all right, I have certain goals I want for this game. I want the pixel ratio to be correct. This That's another dumb Dante thing but like I don't want any pixels to be the wrong size which is a mm. thing that you get in kind of sloppy I mean that with a lot of love and care sloppier <laughs> games that use pixel art aesthetics we don't have to name the, them <laughs> I we don't have to name them one of them is Stardew Valley a game I love very much I will name that one but god I don't think concerned Dave <laughs> listen so it's okay no I don't it's okay but I I, I really love I've I love pixel art, but I get so annoyed when like one pixel's bigger than another because I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so it's not pixel art anymore. You didn't do pixel art. You did <laughs> something else. Anyway, that was that's that was my complaint. But um for Diviner, I like put in the work and I I learned how to use Game Maker to do um small uh small window stuff that blows up to a full screen that doesn't blur pixels and like just a bunch mm. of stuff that's relatively basic, but it was very new for me at the time. Um and diviner also was just one of my babies because i thought it was so tightly controlled in terms of tone 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, tone control. Um, <laughs> and that's just something that really means a lot to me. Like, even when I do stuff like uh, Space Wolf Tango or Selfish Palm Game Manifesto or whatever the fuck, I'm always, like, my number one thing is, like, it's more important for the player to have less but have it be evocative than it is for the player to have more but have it be shallow, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, which is very much also just, like, a thing that I think about in games. I like games that are very deep and narrow more than games that are wide and shallow. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. It, 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 it speaks to sort of what you were saying about minimalism, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, also gets used in the um, the wide and shallow version, too, which is, like... Um, mm-hmm. You know, you imagine minimalist aesthetics as sort of a cop yep. out, as opposed to something that you're committed to, or yeah. uh, minimalist uh, minimalist story, or you know, minimalism in terms of. I mean, you could take any sort of element of gameplay. Well, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I think I think minimalist, well, but like, yeah, and, yeah, actually, yeah, minimalism with an eye toward an aesthetic point. Uh, th- th- that's something different. Where it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna focus on minimalism in order to produce. Uh, an effect, and I'm going to choose the effect. Like, I, I like what you're saying because it reminds me a lot of this concept of intentionality that really means a lot to me, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That See, that's what I was just about to say is, like, I totally... <laughs> the reason why I... The reason why I kind of, like, feel such a pull toward this shit is because, honestly, I kind of make games or fucking anything, I guess. I try and make things with such a deep feeling of intentionality so mm-hmm. that if someone were to quiz me and be like, why'd you do this? Why'd you make the player look like this? Why'd you make the cursor look like this? Why'd you put this thing here? I should be able to answer that question. Mm-hmm. If I can't answer that question, it's not good design. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that's a good metric for everyone, but that's how I make things. And like, uh, no, it makes like sense to I, me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I feel like if I make a game, I should be able to defend the choices I make in the design of it. Um, and that's like, I mean, that's just fun for me. That's why I like designing games is so that I can like control the the world and like make <laughs> and make an experience for the player that is like legitimately like interesting and evocative. Um, yeah, I think like and I think that's that's something that is less and less popular in video game design or, or seemingly mm-hmm. so. Where, like, every game seems to be about, like, okay, we're going to make you this. And, I, like, I'm, I'm just looking at the games on my desktop, so these are games yeah. that I enjoy, ostensibly. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm, so like, I'm something like Apex Legends, which is just mm-hmm. so so big and so so fun so and everyone right loves now. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great game. I love it. Um, it. But Apex Legends is a game where intentionality has nothing to do with it. They give you a play, they give you, a, like, a, a box in which to play in, and they give you a ton of toys and say like okay we designed some rules for this game but uh beyond that like this is your this is your call and there's a level of intention there but not in the way that you just described it right which is like well yeah or, i mean unless you don't, yeah yeah i would actually i would actually like push back on that Please. only a little bit because uh i yeah i've been playing apex legends like every other person on the planet but like um i also i've been i've been playing battle royale games for a while now i for a while now maybe still i guess it was kind of my beat like whenever one came out i'd be like i'm gonna write an article about it uh because i think they're a really fascinating subgenre but what really strikes me about apex legends that none of the other ones have seemed to been able to do is that i apex legends feels dripping with design and tone in a way that none of the other ones do like i i feel like did you play player battlegrounds yeah yeah okay so PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds 
felt to me like, oh, I get it. Someone made Arma, but did like just Arma with one mode. And that's fine. That's what that game was. It, oh, it yeah. blew up. It PUBG didn't blow up because it was the best looking game ever. It blew up because <laughs> no one had really seen this on such a big scale. I'm just laughing um, because like that's that's the understatement of the year. Where <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And, no, like, no PUBG one's like, a, ooh, PUBG. This game is so like, so <laughs> snappy like, and it runs yeah, so well. Oh god, PUBG was such a glitchy, buggy mess of a game, and I don't really think it's gotten too much better since launch. But 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 boy, uh, did I have fun playing it. As like, yeah, I had fun playing it, and yeah. then. And, like, PUBG was fine, and then Fortnite came out, and Fortnite was definitely more, um, it felt like it had more going on. It felt like there was more intentional thought behind many of its decisions, but it's still, for me, Fortnite just never clicked with me. I, I thought that the designs were a little too cartoony. I mm -hmm, thought that the, mm -hmm. the game felt floaty in a weird way. And then, fucking skip forward, there's other games I could talk about here, but, like, let's skip forward to Apex Legends. Apex Legends comes out, and it has all these little touches. Like, one, it has the, the characters, right? Which, the characters are these tiny little vessels of, um, of communicable tone and narrative, right? Because they have little quips and shit. And like yeah. when you pick them, they say something goofy about themselves. And when they land, they say things. And they they chat with each other and they have little back and forth quips. So like that's like one angle of like narrative thrust that the game allows. The other one, I feel like I could write an entire fucking essay about <laughs> Apex Legends character selection screen. Oh, it's and really good. So that music that I mean everyone's made fun of but they make fun of it because that music is so fucking punchy and like you feel it and you're like hell yeah I'm fucking diving into this hell game and I'm gonna pick my buddies and all of their like intros are super like cool and stylish yeah and you just got that blaring like brass section behind you and then that continues right into the drop and the drop has the music and the drop has the call outs and all that time the game is telling you you're cool. This is cool. You ready to die? You gotta get ready to die right now. And like, <laughs> and like, that is tone control in a way that PUBG had none of. PUBG oh, yeah. had none of that. Fortnite had none of that. Like, Fortnite felt like a messy garbage fire compared to how slick and like. Oh, and in terms of tone, I mean, forward come on, like, thinking. I, yeah, Fortnite. Yeah, that's I've what seen I'm people. Saying. I've seen people play Fortnite well, and it's clear to me that like I don't like Fortnite because I'm not good at it. Like I'm, I, mm -hmm. I'm a big yeah, enough person fine. to admit that. Like I, I watch yeah. them play, and it's like, okay, I'm just not good at this game. Like I'm just, I'm yeah. never going to be good at the game in the way that even like that you got to be good at, good at it. At it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's no big deal. Like, there's plenty of games out there, but the there are other games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but one of the things I always didn't like about Fortnite was the way that like there was this sort of like it's it's a battle royale but the early thing is this bus with this sort of like like chill wave goofy. and, and yeah. then you drop it's like wait so what is the aesthetic here i'm gonna so, kill all okay these people so or what? yeah 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 so that's another i sorry i will gush about apex legends if you don't Please. stop me no, so like <laughs> but people uh, love when we talk when people talk about apex legends come on <laughs> The thing about Apex Legends that I also love about this, and this is something that I'll admit is probably not necessarily known to every single player. Uh, so Apex Legends, right, is in the Titanfall universe, yes. right? It's it's, it's right. made by the same developers, and it's also, like, in the universe. Titanfall um, EU, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it basically is. And then fucking what Apex is is a gang. They're a mercenary gang called the Apex Predators. And the two this day, I feel like Apex Legends is the only battle royale that has a reasonable in-universe reason for why they're doing this, which <laughs> is literally like, yeah, it's your test. 
if you do right. this, you win, and then you get into Apex Predators, the the gang. Um, and like, yeah, that doesn't really hold up because there's like 14 versions of the same character running around. But I appreciate the effort. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that there are little touches that are saying no. This is like it's goofy and it's over the top, but like this makes sense in the universe. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a these are reasonable characters within this universe. Um, they're doing. Like over the top crazy shit, but also that's what Apex Predators was doing in the game Titanfall Two. Like none of this is that unusual for them as as right. as a force. Um, and and I don't know. I I think it was. I swear to God, when that game was first announced, I was like, "This looks dumb. Why are there no Titans? This is stupid." Everyone, I, I think, I think, yeah, literally, everyone. Even, I didn't play Titanfall Two except for yeah. like a free weekend, and even I thought that. I was like, "Uh huh." Oh yeah. Excuse oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone, everyone thought that I thought that too. Uh, and then the thing is I was a total dumbass who was wrong. And the reason I was wrong is because some beautiful genius at respawn was like, Hmm, we have a wacky thing in our lore that could be used for a battle Royale. And then they did it and they did it really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, whereas I feel like Fortnite battle Royale, which was kind of a similar thing of like, well, we have this universe, but it's not selling great. What do we do with it? Uh, let's make a battle Royale. But, and it worked out for them. Like inarguably it did, but like, Oh yeah. <laughs> but I, any, any critique we make of Fortnite here is like, obviously yes, with the caveat that they did fine. Yeah, <laughs> they did fucking fine and they will do fine. It doesn't matter. But like, the difference is Fortnite didn't really seem to care to like make this narratively cohere because it didn't have to like mm-hmm. Fortnite save the world had very little lore as it stands. So I don't think they super cared. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. There's something that just feels so quietly genius about apex legends being someone on some board or somewhere, some design team just being like, Hey, we got all these wacky characters. What if we did a game about wacky characters kind of building off of what blackout mode did for call of duty, but like we did it with our shooting mechanics and we integrated it into our universe enough that people can draw that comparison. And that's, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like it was really cool. No, I, I, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Cause it's, it's like, there's a, so there's a quality of like sameness to, to battle Royale games that I think was, mm-hmm. When Apex came out, that was maybe the moment at which it could have hit saturation. And I guess that's all, like, yeah. retrospect and, and, and put, probably putting something on it that's not there. But, like, it, it feels like, okay, at some point, you get too many, and people are like, this genre sucks. Like, I'm just going to play Fortnite. Like, I, I don't yeah. want any more. Um, and I feel like The Hunt was a failure that way. That game where everyone yeah. was, like, a prisoner is, was a failure It's kind of a way. bummer, because I, I thought The Hunt was, like, a cool concept. Like, it, was it was a, a cool really, concept. It was a good spin on the concept. That's, yeah. I like that. The prisoner um, game was a terrible spin on the concept, because that's every which, Battle Royale which game. Which one was that? Was that Scum? Oh, yeah, that was Scum. Scum, thank scum? you. Thank you for scum? reminding okay. me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Looked it was really the one bad. with, like, all the ridiculous, like, super, like, hyper, uh, hyper granular like hunger meters and shit. Was yeah, it, yeah, no, yeah, uh, no, that was um, that was. Uh, I think I you're thinking of. Uh, are you thinking of the the dinosaur game? Uh, Ark. No, but no, I know oh. that. Eh, whatever, it doesn't that, matter. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I know what you mean. Ark's yeah. not a battle royale, but yeah, yeah. So like, no, I, it's not, I shouldn't. Yeah. I shouldn't have. That wasn't right. But um, yeah. in any case, uh, yeah, I mean, it felt like when Apex came out, that could have been the point where people were like, "I'm sick of this genre. This genre does nothing for me." <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it 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 hit a nice moment because like. It's not like any of the other battle royales. 
mechanically, it's not like any of the battle royales story narratively, and it's not like well, any of their ba- any other battle yeah. royale aesthetically. And it's like great, this That's, rocks. Like <laughs> this is exactly I, what I needed to refresh myself. Yeah, and I I feel like personally it was just like. Apex Legends came out of the gate being extremely playable, like extremely mm-hmm. functional. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't buggy. It had if if no games steal that fucking contextual menu, I will be pissed forever. That is the best thing that games have. That's the best thing Battle Royale done, g- games have you done in pings? years. It's the best thing. Yeah, it's the best pings thing that shooter incredible. games. It's the best thing that shooter games have done in years. It is. It should be the most important gaming development of this past five every, years. Every every game like, will steal it. There's no every, way. Well, every I sure game. fucking hope so. Because here's an- the, Anthem, here's Anthem, the like every comment on Anthem. Okay, yep, like, this is, is what I was going to get just, to. Okay. Like, I like I Anthem. I think Anthem is really fun to play. I love the flying mechanic in Anthem and everything. And even yeah. then, when people are like, oh, where's the ping system? Part of me is like, well, that's a ridiculous thing to ask them to implement now. And another stronger part of me is like, yeah, where's the ping system? I want that. I've been bouncing between Anthem and Apex. I'm reviewing Anthem right now. We'll probably have a review up sometime next week. But uh, I'm bouncing between those games, and it feels like... It feels like someone puts, like, fucking earplugs and fucking a blindfold over me when I switch (laughs) from Apex to Anthem. Anthem, there's no text chat. There's no pings. There's no communication whatsoever, which is absolutely bonkers for a game where sometimes you have to do communal puzzle solving, which is like, okay, so I have to be on voice or I'm fucked. Like, that's the message here is that like, yeah, and that just seems so absurd. To yeah, me. like that just seems that's a good so way. absurd. To it's me. a good way of describing Anthem, too, which is like it does kind of feel like you've been thrown into a really good experience, but for mm-hmm. whatever reason, they have shut off like either parts of your brain or parts of the game's brain to make the experience less good or harder on it's someone where it shouldn't so, be. So it's so weird. It's to so like weird. I, I just feel like it's so bizarre. Many I keep yeah. wanting to love it and then it's like oh the loading menu didn't work again. Like, oh yeah. like, I mean I, I squad with people I, I don't know what they're doing or it's just like Usually, usually when I'm reviewing a game, I try and kind of avoid as much talk about it as possible. But that's almost impossible with Anthem just because of how much it's kind of permeated the sphere. And because it's not out, but also out, which is whatever. I mean, that was it feels like it feels like and this is something I've been thinking about a lot. And every because everyone has. But um, since Apex and Anthem are both uh, EA properties, it's like you look at it and you're like, man, they they released like the two most opposite releases <laughs> yeah, of, that you could it, possibly want. One goes seamlessly. Everyone yeah. loves it immediately. It becomes huge. The other, and it was not anticipated. And it was no not one, on anyone's radar. No one liked it. it. Like, yeah. yeah. And the only time anyone talked about it was a week before it was out. It was like, and a lot of that talk was pretty negative. Yeah, like, people were like, I guess I'll people play like this. me being like, mm, there's no robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that a lot. And yeah. they basically were like, well, you'll see. And then, <laughs> They Anthem, fucking, we're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthem has been teased for years now, and yeah. like has been like you know a big deal. Oh, it's coming out finally, and they do that weird week ahead thing. They do like yeah. the weird early demo, and it just like everything everything yeah. that could go wrong does go wrong. I feel. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I don't. I don't know how much I want to talk about this, honestly, because yeah, I don't, don't. want to like preempt my review. But like, this also, won't this won't come out before your review. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, yeah, I'm really frustrated with Anthem because I really want to like Anthem, and a lot of Anthem is not 
making me want to like Anthem. <laughs> a lot of it feels like uh, it feels like it is playing to the worst, like the worst deficits of both EA design and Bioware design. It feels like <laughs> over designed by committee in the worst possible way. There's almost there's so little of that Bioware charm. And there is a bit of it. Like sometimes I caught myself the other day like because, OK, yeah, this is the other weird thing about the game. It's a Bioware game. So there's dialogue and there is a very, very small amount of like dialogue choice. Um, there's also no romance, which they announced months ahead. Uh, there's very little in <laughs> the way of the, just to get everyone upset early. Yeah, there's very little in the way of like player characterization, which like all of those things are like, OK, fine. Like there, there could still be a good game without those things. I'm willing to say that. However, also, um, every character flirts with you <laughs> and yeah, there's literally constantly. nothing you can do about it. Like I caught myself. I was like telling a friend about it. It's like, I'm playing this game and I just want to tell these characters, I'm so sorry for your code base. <laughs> like I can't do anything for you. <laughs> like it's, I know you're horny. I get it. I can't help. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, don't have, I don't have the dialogue option. I'm I sorry. I literally don't have the dialogue options. I cannot further engage with you in the way that you clearly want to engage. It's like a new it's and like a new Tinder that I should release for people who just like love video games where it's like, sorry, I just don't have the dialogue options for I you right now. I just don't have the options. Like, I'm this, sorry. You know, like, I don't I, I don't have enough paragon points to say the thing you want me to right that now. That is really. that is legitimately it, and it's just all of Anthem is making me like just kind of quietly sad. <laughs> it it like, is. Yeah, someone was uh, mentioning Fallout 76 today, and they were like, yeah. they, they texted me, and they were like, man, I can't believe this uh, release. Like, I can't believe this happened. And I was yeah. like, oh, they're talking about Anthem. But they were talking about the new Fallout 76 thing. Where <laughs> to someone, be fair, that was an extremely hot mess. Like oh, that. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, much worse. And they, they mm-hmm. just had a thing come out today where I guess someone played 900 hours of the game. And so probably wow. it's, its biggest fan of all time. Wow, and, yeah. Um, and they just banned that person for having too much ammo. <laughs> so, so it's going really well. Great, going great over there. <laughs> um, I, was, I was thinking, I was like, man, you know, it, if you think back to Fallout 76, this release is much better than Fallout 76's release. Yeah, it's like yeah. Oh, in many better. ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I yeah. think, like, it's just... It, sad is the right word, because you can see, like, all the promise behind it, and you just yeah. want to love it. And it's like... Well, <sighs> and it's weird, too, because you're right that it's obviously, like, the launch is a lot better than Fallout 76. It absolutely is. I, I would mean, also say, hard though, to that, like... Beat. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, hard, hard to fail against that one. But also... There's things about it that remind me of Fallout 76 in mm-hmm. a really bad way. Like the way that there's an open world and there are all these hooks for quests, but because of the design of the game, you can't really interact with anyone on the quests. And this is the thing that people talked about Fallout 76, specifically about how Fallout 76, right? It's everyone you fundamentally kind of work with is dead because they can't be alive Yeah. because if they were alive, it would, it would kind of invalidate the premise of the game. So you just end up doing all these missions for like for robots and for audio logs and shit like that. Um, (laughs) And I feel like Anthem is a very similar way because I just keep doing all these missions for quote unquote sentinels and quote unquote Arcanists. And I don't see them and I don't, talk with them i don't really do anything with them the things that i get don't really help them they don't really modify my game experience all they do is get me like 
some more crystals that I fucking redeem at the end of the mission to find out what was in the fucking gotcha box. Like, I'm just like, this sucks, man. This sucks. Um, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it's frustrating. And I, it's, and it's a bummer. Cause I like a lot of that game. I think, oh, I think the javelin designs are pretty cool. The javelin I designs like the are shooting. cool. I cannot say enough about how cool it feels to fly those things. It does feel really good. It's so it's fun. Really good. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll put that. Maybe that'll be another one. But like, I, I yeah. really want to talk about your games, and I know because we. Yeah, we, sorry, we, sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's we, my fault too. No, I was going to apologize to you because I know when we started, uh, you, you said off air like usually I end up talking about other people's games. I never talked yeah. about mine. Um, it's because I'm way used to this. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> like I just spend the whole time talking about the two biggest games of the moment. Um, no, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, you know, we haven't really talked about. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I know, I know. But one of the uh, but one of the one of the games that. Um, like one of the ways that this connects back to to your games, and I, I like, mm-hmm. I just like, I so want to get your take on this. Like, yeah, okay. The, the concept of, um, and really, you shouldn't apologize. This is my fault. But um, <laughs> uh, the, the the things you're complaining about in Anthem, completely uh, like mirror, but like reverse, like sort of like reverse mirror mm-hmm. the uh, the 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 things you're trying to do in Epitaph, where like. Yeah, the actual sort of like communication. You have these dead systems, right? Like it's a down terror frame. It's a black box. Mm-hmm. You are you're trying to figure out like what happened in the last moments of this person because of this diver. I'm I'm re- actually reading your your terms. Yeah, I, I was going to say, do them. we want to at least set this up for people who haven't read? The is game? is there is there a setup? <laughs> okay, I would say. It, it, I guess because I like I like. Let me let me actually yeah. qualify that by saying I, that's a compliment because I like how. No, I, I like how out of um, out of context it all feels. It feels very foreign. Yeah. It feels very uh, nerve wracking in a certain way. But please, yes, set it up. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Yeah, okay. So first of all, um, I made this game for the Emotional Mecha Game Jam, which uh, was thrown together by a couple folks. Um, I know their Twitter names. I don't know their real names. Oh, John R. Harness and Takuma Okada, um, and it was. It's a game jam for making games about uh, tabletop games about mechs um but one of the one of the requirements was no combat uh i mean mm. you can like you can allude to combat but you can't it, these are not games about combat um and i mean so that's where i gotta say like not my choice to not include combat it was kind of, <laughs> one of the things of the jam but that fun this is this is why jams are cool is it's like okay so what do we explore beyond that um and it's weird because, uh, first of all, I don't know if anyone's ever played Epitaph. I certainly didn't. I don't have any you friends who I could just hit yeah. up. Um, I don't know if anyone's actually played it. It's, And I don't mean that as like a knock on myself. I mean that in like my experience writing this, one, I don't write a lot of tabletop games. Um, and two, I do write a lot of poetry, or at least I used to. And like in many ways, writing Epitaph was for me kind of – as much an experience of designing a tabletop game as it was sort of uh, figuring out the tone of or how to how to communicate tone through a rule book, which I think is a really unique um, problem that only shows up in tabletop games is you have to do a lot of the tonal world building through rules and through mm-hmm. setup. But you don't want to just turn it into a novel because that's that goes against the entire goal, right? You want to be able to communicate efficiently and intentionally. Hey, everyone who's sitting down at this table, we need you to agree on certain tenets of this space. And a lot of that has to do with epitaph. It's like, I'm going to throw a bunch of proper nouns at you. They're not 
particularly complicated proper nouns, you'll probably get the hang of it in about two seconds. But it will nonetheless be something that is meant to transport you to a different mental space. Right. Um, right. To use like classic game terms, what we're talking about is the magic circle, right? It's like we need you to step into the magic circle. And in order to do that, you need to agree on certain rules. And certain rules are you are not yourself. You are uh, a more technician or a black box to use my own language. Um, <laughs> and and to like and to like throw yourself into it a little bit. I think the thing with like with with emotional games, with story games in the way that Epitaph is a story game is it's never really about your life, but it should always be about your life, um, which makes it kind of a confessional kind of a therapeutic thing. Mm -hmm. Not in that I think this game should be used as therapy, but because <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yeah, you therapy. heard it here, folks. <laughs> Skip therapy, play my video or play my tabletop game. Uh, but no, but what it means is like you're going to pour yourself into these imaginary characters because that is the thing you know. You know your own life. Um, you draw from your own life when you're creating fiction. Uh, I'm simply providing you a scaffolding to create that fiction. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Which is a really fun thing to do as a writer, honestly. Yeah. Like, I really liked writing this because it allowed me to kind of um, flex some muscles, which I don't usually flex, that I haven't really flexed since I was kind of writing poetry more often. Mm -hmm. um, which is like, yeah, those of like, hey, welcome to this space, time to feel some emotions. Uh, but it's a game, so I can tell you to systematize those emotions. <laughs> right. Well, and, but that's like, but that's what's so cool about it to me is like what you're saying about Anthem, right? Where it's like this just feels like I'm not communicating with anyone because yeah. technically speaking, all these people are gone or, or Fallout 76, yeah. but literally yeah. all these people are dead. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. you're dealing with a literal moment in this game where like your uh, communicant is dead, like has, has yeah. already died. Um, insofar as the black box is the voice of the dead diver or the dead frame. Or yeah. Whatever, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I guess I kind of view them as like a, uh, like a fucking, Evangelion thing, you know, yeah, where it's sure. like the, the Eva has a mind. It's like you're talking to the, whatever. You, yeah. You get it. No, I do. I, and I get, now, that, now that you've said Ava, like half the audience is like, oh, sure, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Do you I get know, it now? Do you sure get it? It's like, it. it's like, what if an Ava pilot died and the only person you could talk to about it was the Ava? That's basically sort of kind of. Well, now, now just, is now just make, now just make a $5 uh, price tag on it. Say that <laughs> on Twitter once out. and just oh, like, I, you know, just retire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, but no, I mean, like, so, so you set this up and, and, it's literally a case in which you're speaking to a dead person is emotionally gratifying and emotionally stimulating and sort of cathartic in a way that these games sort of say like, well, you, you can't have this catharsis because these people are already gone. What you're doing here is you're basically saying like, no, like it just needs more rules. And the rules have to be that, you know, the, the, the dead person gets to speak back in some yeah. way or another. And like, that is so cool to me. Like that is such a way to like, use restriction and use authorial intention um, to say like, no, here's the, here's the process and here's the communication. And, and this is what you're going to experience as a player and it's going to help you or it's not. Uh, but this is what it is. Yeah. And I feel like, honestly, if you kind of look through my games over the past, I don't know, four or five years or whatever, like I feel like both Epitaph and Diviner are playing off the same thing, which is a thing that I am obsessed with, which is the idea of ritual and of like ritualization. Yeah. Um, 
Diviner is about this, you know, hypothetical video game ritual of throwing things into a fire and seeing what the fire says to you back. Uh, Epitaph is about a more formalized ritual in this fictional world of like, this is what happens when a pilot dies. You you do these things, you do these rites, um, you ask the black box questions about the pilot, and then you write it down, but it's all very formalized. I love that. And I feel like partially I love that because I, I didn't grow up religious. Like, I, that was never part of my part of my upbringing but i was always really fascinated by this idea of of ritual Mm -hmm. which is such a in contemporary america like we have very little i think formalized ritual that is not uh religious based um or i mean i guess there's 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 consumptive rituals Right, right like, but those are but those are like not formalized, right? Those are like, uh, hi, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go to the store and buy things every day because I need things to live or whatever. That's a little different. It's definitely a ritual for surezies, but it's not like, uh, <laughs> it's not like going to the church and yeah, doing, it's not codified. Doing, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of like the ways in which, like, if I go watch the game at exactly my parents' house, I'll get a beer every time, okay. even if I don't exactly. want a beer. But that's not exactly the same, and it's not the same it's sort not, of like yeah. the the discomfort that becomes comfort of like mm-hmm. say in, in epitaph of saying those words every time right like you have yes. you have a like a a uh, a sort of like uh, what's what's the phrase uh, maxima a, a, a chant uh, in right. the yeah, in yeah, the yeah. rules that you have to say before you start the game which i'm sure like if you played the game 500 times for the first 50 times it'd probably be a little weird and then it mm-hmm. would be extremely comforting right and i feel like part of my thing with epitaph is that like you have to, I mean, you have to role play. It's a role playing game. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Not. But like, but like you, you have to, you have to assume the role of someone for whom this is normal, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a really interesting type of role play. I think it's the type of role play that you get when you're playing a really good game of a tabletop game with a really good crew, right? Yeah. That, that they get so kind of into their characters that they can assume these roles almost without thinking. And I feel like that's, that's like the platonic ideal of an, of a tabletop role playing game. But like, it's also like, that's what I'm trying to evoke with epitaph is like, these are, and if you, if you start thinking about it, you realize that I'm again, cheating here. And the reason (laughs) I'm cheating is because I'm giving you a lot of formal scaffolding. If you have to say these words, because that's part of the game, then you are naturally role-playing exactly what the player would do. That's embodied role-play, right? Um, which is this idea that's used a lot in like interactive theater or, or VR games where, uh, shout out to my friend, Aiden Grealish, who introduced me to this, but she, um, she studied interactive theater and VR, VR embodiment. Um, and a huge part of that is about this idea of you're role playing, but you're role playing as yourself. Like, it's not mm. like I'm not in, in epitaph. I'm not giving your character a name. I'm saying, no, 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 you Trevor are playing this game and you are the person in this game. The person in this game is named Trevor, right? They are doing this thing, but in their world, they know how to do X, Y, Z things. Um, and like I'm trying to give a certain amount of formal scaffolding that players can jump in and be performing the actions, whether or not they feel the actions. And then over time, the feeling will come to you. It's fake it till you make it, I guess. Um. Yeah. No. And I think that like I, it reminds me of some of the stuff in your manifesto where like the, the best part to me is the when you say like the world of the designer need not pay attention to the player unless they choose to. Where, like, the player is actually like, oh, yeah, the world is more important than the player, the designer is more important than the player, the other two things I like. Where it's like, in fact, the player matters a 
lot, right? The player has to play the yeah. game. But it goes oh, back to your yeah. It goes back to your point though of saying like I don't know if anyone's played Epitaph, and like yeah. saying like that as actually like <clears throat> it not is it not is not only a not a slight against you, but it is actually like the reason the game works because it's like okay, exactly. I made the scaffolding. The scaffolding is the important part. Playing it is not yep. the important part. Yep. It's why it's it's what always brings me back to like like these days I am much more of a of a critic than I am a developer, but that it's that thing that makes me like fucking remember like oh god I fucking love developing games. And the main reason is because <laughs> I kind of I, I fell into games around the same time I was falling into poetry, um, and especially into slam poetry. And a lot of slam poetry uh was and is kind of a vehicle for ephemerality right it's like you you did the the poem you did the performance and now the performance is over and maybe it was recorded but maybe it wasn't and if it wasn't then you have done the thing and the thing is done and the thing was good because it was done um i kind of view epitaph a lot of the games i make but epitaph especially as like it doesn't matter if anyone sees this what matters is that I made it and that I made a good thing that I like and that the good thing I like created a world unto itself. And the the player is kind of inconsequential. If someone reads this and they want to play it, that's great. It's perfectly built for that. If they read it and want to say, wow, what a cool bit of fiction. Awesome. That's all they need. Like the game itself has created that world and now I can let it be. And I think that's like a really weird, powerful thing about games. It's something that I think goes against kind of mainstream uh like game marketing concepts of just like oh but don't you want people to like play your game forever don't you want people to blah 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 and like i don't know not really like i if you're creating a world sometimes that world is empty that's okay like yeah it uh it was actually something that that refreshed me and i couldn't believe i was i was thinking this because this is like the oldest video game ever but like yeah uh it's something that refreshed me about mario odyssey when i was playing it where it was like Mm. there's tons of content in here you can play it forever but there is a moment where the game ends and like there hasn't been dlc it's not like they're they're like oh but go to the next world or whatever we're we're gonna release more you never have to stop there's there's battle royale mode now like it's it's not a game that's meant to be a forever game. It, it ends at some point. And like the idea of an yeah. end is so novel these days. It's, it feels like every game is like, well, we need to make a game that people will play literally for the rest of their lives. Oh God. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, it's partially what kind of annoys me about games like Anthem because they don't feel like the reason they feel like designed by committee is not because they don't have good writing in them, which they do, or that they don't have good aesthetics or design, which I think Anthem does. The reason they feel like designed by committee is because this is not a game that is meant to have an end. Right. It's meant to, it's meant to be a, a forever box for players to pour money into. Um, and any kind of um, legitimate uh, intentioned art that comes out of it is almost accidental. Like that's not, that's not the goal of this project. Um, it's why and part of that is market realities. Like I'm not going to pretend that like the games market is a perfect sure shot. If you want to get into making games, like, cause it's not, and it kind of never was, um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but like, yeah, but I think there is a certain, I have major respect for developers these days into your triple who are just willing to be like, yeah, um, our game has a campaign. It's, you know, eight hours long and that's the game. Thanks. 
Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very, I very like that because I think also those are very, those are by intention more controlled spaces, and thus I think they're more interesting to play through um, than uh, fully, you know, infinite forever games. Uh, yeah, which I, I, I agree, and I think like there's one of the things that I talked about on, a, on an episode, like maybe a, a few back at this point. Um, was uh, with with uh, Theo uh, Ayn Randy on Twitter was like mm-hmm. the the nature of games that respect your time and like yeah, games that are yeah. like listen this is this is like this is a single experience you're gonna get what you get out of it and um, yep. I'm not gonna waste your time and and you know those games can yeah. be fifty hours long they, they can also totally. be eight hours long they they have a totally. they have a contained thing to say it's not just like Oh, there's more um, mm-hmm. for the sake of there being more. Like it's, it's that's why it's there. <laughs> I remember like way back when uh, uh, I think it was like when when Portal Two came out was the okay. first time that I remember. I consciously remember an argument about game length and like Portal Two is. I think it's got like what like an eight hour campaign, give or take. Something yeah, like something that. like that. The game was sold one, essentially. Yeah, 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 and the game was sold for like uh, forty bucks, forty five bucks, something like that. Mm-hmm. So like it breaks down to I don't know. Uh, you know, five, six bucks an hour, something like that, if you wanted to break it down that way, which I think is a really reductive way to break it down. But the point is, when I bought that, I was like, okay, so functionally, I played, or I paid about as much as I would to see like three or four movies, which would probably take up about the same time. And I feel like I had a really good time with this. So what's the problem? Right. But instead, that was just like a lot of people were like, oh, well, if it was only eight hours, they should have only sold it for 20 bucks or whatever the fuck. And like, I feel like a big part of my growth as a person was realizing, no, they didn't. And that's fine. (laughs) And also that doesn't, that's a perfectly reasonable price for the amount of effort that went into this project. Like I, yeah, they could have charged more. (laughs) Yeah. I think they could have charged more. I think most, I think most games should be more expensive, frankly. I'm a a strong component of that. This is a, this is a position that this podcast has taken many times and I hope to take it again, that games should be more expensive. Please value your goddamn labor. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was actually going to apologize for not getting to talk about um, uh, Space Wolf, but uh, uh, it's not called Space Wolf, but it could be. Oh, yeah, Space Wolf Tango. Um, yeah, it is called that. <laughs> yeah, it is called that. What am I talking about? Um, but uh, I was going to apologize, but you just basically um, you basically talked about it right now, which is that, like, alienated labor makes you feel alienated. Like, that's... Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I think that's a really good way of putting it, especially with video games, because, I mean... I can't think of a way to make people who are already in sort of like, especially at AAA stu- uh, like, uh, studios or AAA games, like in these massive committees, like many of whom probably feel fairly faceless outside of like, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you know, like I work for EA and have like, you know, pure EA loyalty or something. Like a lot of these people are freelancers yeah. for contract work and it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I work for who I work for. It's faceless, it is alienated and then to have someone be like, uh, you know, it just wasn't worth the dollar per hour evaluation for me. Yeah. Just must be like, this is, I just why feel am like I doing this? Yeah. I just feel like that's such a callous way of viewing game labor. And like, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't come from a, you know, in the same way that I feel like, uh, f- games being forever boxes is sort of a weird market reality. I feel like there's the opposite, like consumer end of that, which is like, I only have X amount of dollars. If I want to make those dollars stretch as long as possible, the reasonable argument is I should get the longest game possible. Right. That is not a great metric, but it's one that I understand. Um, It also kind of sucks. And I mean, I, 
I mean, this is one of those like stupid things where I'm like way deep in my shit, but I'm just thinking about like, yeah, you know how we fix this? Uh, we don't live under capitalism. <laughs> like that's how we fix this. <laughs> like there's a there's a fix here, but it's a lot bigger than video games. <laughs> yeah, and like, so, like I mean, I I'm the same way, but of yeah. course, like I, I I'm with you there. Um, yeah. Insofar as it's difficult to uh, overthrow capitalism tonight, yeah. I, you know, we're working exactly. on it for, for it. Yeah, as it's, much as as much as we'd like to, it's I, one of those ten year plans. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, exactly. What's your ten year plan? Well, uh, you know, I hope to have a book written. You know, I just like to yeah. really looking forward. Hopefully, I can get Tilly ready for college. And uh, oh yeah, I'm going to overthrow capitalism. Yeah. Um, exactly. So uh, good luck. <laughs> I'm with you. Right but, there with you. Um, but the you know like the I think like just understanding that so like this is this is a a, a, a bugaboo of mine and and then actually I want to ask you about your criticism and we'll talk about the orbital mm-hmm. too but yeah, um, yeah, totally. this is like totally totally a thing that I get hung up on um, is what the commodity fetish is and people people understand yeah. a lot about Marx now because all of a sudden Marx got popular like right after <laughs> yeah. I learned about Marx which was yeah. convenient for me. Um, good time. Good yeah, timing. Good, yeah, good yeah. timing. Now I can tell everyone what they don't know. <laughs> um, the academic's favorite thing. Uh, oh, yes, it's, it's what we live for. But the, um, you know, the 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 commodity fetish, as Marx describes it, isn't like. I think a lot of people think it is, and I understand why. Like they think it is like a fetishism of commodities, like oh, buying things is my fetish, or like a sexualization yep. on yep. some level. And it has nothing to do with that. Actually, it's a. Um, the way Marx understands it, and, and I'm, you, you probably already know this, but for people who don't, um, the way Marx understands this is like it is a, um, it's looking at commodities and thinking that they are um, effectively like a religious fetish. That's something that yeah. just kind of uh, was manifested into the world without anyone doing anything. So you look yes. at shoes and you're like, those are shoes. Shoes exist in the world. You don't look at it and yeah. say like that is the product of, excuse me, X number of laborers work. Yeah, for X number yeah. of hours, for X number of pay, and I think like imagining video games outside, imagining video games is like uniquely affected by that commodity fetish. Like it doesn't have to be like you know, you don't have to then jump necessarily. Although we're perfectly welcome to, and I'm there with you to uh, to smash the <laughs> smash capital. Yeah, like yeah. you could just jump to being like, oh, I should probably recognize how many people like spent way too long doing this and how Which hard is like, it was. Yeah, which which I think is honestly like that is a huge part of like my uh, so to speak like critical thrust, or I, I try and make it that way in the sense that like you're right that like commodity commodity fetish the commodity fetishization is <laughs> like a, a a condition of modern capitalism. It's also like I think it's almost worse for games if only because they are nearly a purely digital medium, which means that the way that you uh, the way that you get games is often so alienated from any sort of human touch. You go oh, on yeah. your computer, you buy a thing with a button, and you don't think about necessarily the person. It's not like you're going to a a, a market and someone's like, "Hey, I made these games. Do you want to check them out?" <laughs> and made you don't, games. Yeah, you don't even know who that person is. Like ninety nine percent of the time, you might know a develop. You might know like the 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 developer studio name or something. Um, or like if it's an auteur or something, but even then yeah, like they're yeah. not the ones often they're doing not the, the, the yeah, hard exactly, labor. Exactly. It. And like, I think that it's just really, I think games are in a really unique situation because of that, mm-hmm. uh, because people have bad knowledge of how games are made, frankly, like by and large, they really do. It's, it's why, it's why like I, I am almost always on developer side on in any sort of like, 
I don't know, conversations about developer welfare or about game welfare. Like, I don't even like, I fucking hate having to shit on a game that's bad. I hate it. It's yeah. not fun. Like, people think it's fun if they're callous and awful. And, like, there are plenty of games that, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll dunk on XYZ game because I think it's stupid. But it just it's never fun to look at like a small indie game that gets a certain amount of press that just, just kind of biffs it. And like, yeah. you just feel bad. Cause you're like, you can tell that a lot of people really did have passion for this project and it just kind of whiffed and it just didn't do so good. And that's the worst <laughs> for me. Like, yeah. That is, that no, is I totally understand the worst. that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it, it is the worst. Like, it's like, it's a feeling of saying like, yeah, look, I know that you're excited about this. Um, I just don't like it. I mean, which it's is just, actually. It's just not that great. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the reasons that I like academic criticism so much and why I yeah. probably am never going to be very prolific as like a game reviewer, even if I right, do yeah. a lot of games writing and games thinking, which is mostly all I do anymore. But like, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I just, I like saying, okay, it doesn't matter if you liked or didn't like the game. Um, here's what's going on in the game and here's why that's interesting or not interesting. And that has nothing yes. to do with whether or not you should yes. play it. This is like, yeah. Yeah. I mean like I definitely like, I, I know I just said like, Oh, the game's not great, but like by and large, if I'm, if I'm writing about anything, I try and avoid like this game is good or this game is bad. Cause mm-hmm. I just feel like those are, they're meaningless identifiers that mean nothing. So it's not generally useful. Well, yeah. Cause <laughs> I mean like if you're writing, if you're writing about if someone should buy a game or not, like, Unless it's a very specific person. Like, I told a friend today, I was like, yeah. he was like, ah, I'm on the fence about Anthem. And I was like, I know you. I don't yeah. think you're going to like Anthem. Like, yeah, I, think I think it'll be fun. Yeah, that's and, a little different. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun in some ways, but the ways it's fun for you specifically will not outweigh the parts you don't like. I could do that. But, like, for a general audience, I don't have that eye. And, like, you know, if you do, yeah. that's great. And that's a totally viable thing because people are going to want to know whether they should spend their money on it mm-hmm. or not. And some people find that to be like a valuable way to do it. I, I get why that exists and I'm not trying to stigmatize folks who make their living doing reviews of games. But like, I just, you know, for me, it's like, that's not my job. It, it, it shouldn't be my job because you shouldn't trust me. Like I, I can tell you what games are interesting and why, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's also like, I think it, it really another one of the things that just really saddens me is like man game reviewing is a really interesting skill to have and it's very devalued these days at least mm-hmm. in the written form yes and i'm bummed about that because i like i love writing reviews of games i think it's a really fun activity it's also by its almost very nature incredibly underpaid like even like there's no way like even the best rate you get you get like 300 bucks for a review you probably spent like 40 bucks 40 hours playing that game that math doesn't add up no, i know it no i know what you think but it really doesn't and like that's fine i can live with that i'm bummed that we don't put as much effort or, or weight i guess on game reviewing because i think that thing that happened in the early 2000s with fucking Kieran Gillen and New Games Journalism, the concept of like uh, 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 subjective game reviews and, and like writing about your experience with the game is, I still think, the best and only useful way to review a video game. Mm-hmm. It also takes the longest time and it's it's hard to write if you're used to writing more, I don't know, analytically. Um, but <laughs> uh, but but I but I legitimately love kind of having to break down because like you're saying it's hard to write game reviews in the sense of should everyone in the world buy this game or not that's not (laughs) that's a really hard thing to do um i think it is a lot easier to frame it as 
how is this game successful at what it is doing and how is it failing? Yeah. And if you want to put a number score on that, fine, do that. I think that's also, you know, kind of a contentious topic, but like, I don't mind it so much. Um, but it's, I just love being able to dive into design foibles and design successes with a game and being able to say like, oh, this is cool or this isn't so cool, but like, here's why it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, because yeah, because like for me, it's like game reviews always come down to design. I think that's, that's a key part of it is that like some people write game reviews from a, you know, consumer first perspective of like, uh, is this game worth buying? But I think that's kind of a not great metric in general. (laughs) Well, no. Yeah. And I, and I understand why it exists, but I agree with you. Yeah. 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 It it totally makes sense. But so, you know, I had a question about your criticism and like, this is just a, this is a shot in the dark. So if it's, if it's, totally. if you don't think it works for the, a description of your criticism, just tell me it doesn't and uh, explain yeah. it in a different way. Yeah, it's fine, um, it's fine. But, uh, but it strikes me that like, there's something about um, the way you approach your criticism at the orbital, particularly um, like, you know, games criticism uh, and thinking about it in this serious way um, that mirrors the way you approach games, which is to say like, you produce this, you produce this object that, you know, on some level requires a reader or a player to um, uh, fully experience it or sort of actualize it in the world in, in yeah. one particular way. But like a lot of criticism, and, and maybe you know, I certainly think about my criticism this way. It doesn't so much matter if anyone reads it. It just if it exists and it did its job, it it kind of it kind of succeeds in its own way, right? Like. A really yeah. good piece of criticism can exist without a reader. Um, often does exist without a reader. I don't know. Like, do you think about your criticism that way at all? Do you do you think it needs a reader in a way more than, say, uh, Epitaph does? Like, how do you how do you sort of approach it? I mean, that's a tough one. If only because we're lucky in a way with the orbital that we aren't kind of um uh shackled to view counts because of mm. the way that the orbital's funding model works is we're just crowdfunding it and we're throwing that money at writers so page counts mean nothing to us in a performance matter uh on the other hand i would rather more people read my criticism than people play my games okay if and when I say my criticism, I guess I mean like stuff on Durable, which is mostly not mine. I'm just an editor over there. But like, uh, but also the things that I do write for Paste and for Waypoint or whatever. Um, sure. And the reason for that mostly is because I like my games. They're cool. I enjoy making them. Um, but also the enjoyment of games that I make is mostly in the fact that I make them. Like I was saying earlier, right? Like I the player is almost incidental and it's not that I'm not thankful for people who play my game. I absolutely love that, but it's not the reason I'm doing it. Uh, whereas with Orbital or with my own writing, it's, I want this stuff to be seen because I want the things I'm talking about to be seen Hmm. because I think they're worth seeing, which is a really vague way to put it. But like, one of the things I was really stoked about in our most recent Orbital quarterly uh, was just like, oh, we have like, I think like four out of five of our writers were not US based, which is really, is really cool, cool because English games writing that isn't from 
the United States tends to, or, or England tends to be pretty rare or Australia. Sorry. Sorry, Australians. Um, but like, um, but like it, it, it's really fascinating and it's also not very accessible usually cause it's not in English. And if you don't read English, you aren't going to do it. So like one of my favorite things about this last quarterly is that we were able to look at these writers who were doing stuff in, uh, usually in Portuguese and in Spanish and just saying like, yo, this is really cool and fun. And, I want to host it somewhere where Americans can see it and where English speaking people can read it because I think it's important work. Um, and so like, yeah, it is way more important for me. I would say for people to read my shit than to play my shit. <laughs> and partially that's because I feel like the things that I'm writing for critical reasons are not just about me. You know, mm. like I, I am a hopeless romantic about video games. And what that really translates to is, even my super critical shit about like shit that's bad in the industry or whatever. I'm writing this because I really like video games and like, I really care about them as a medium and as an art form. And so like, it's important to me that we have these discussions about like things that are bad and also that we highlight things that are really good and like that we highlight like, Hey, check out this tiny dev who made this game that you probably haven't heard of, but it's super cool and you should play it like that shit. I would be happy if if I could be a fucking kingmaker of tiny games more than I would ever be happy as like a celebrated game developer, I think. Hmm. And like maybe that's not true and maybe my opinions on that will change, but like yeah, I I like I like having the opportunity to to highlight things that I think are really cool in the industry more than I do um to like make something exactly. Um Yeah. I mean, that's you've certainly you've just given yeah. me sort of a nice uh, a nice philosophical place to understand why I really enjoy doing the podcast, too. Which is, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think that I think that having these platforms, right, like platforms where you have the ability to talk about things that are important and that are good are yeah. like really important. <laughs> like, well, yeah. And actually, I ended up just recently, coincidentally, ended up talking to a lot of uh, and, and I'm going to be talking to a lot of writers who are not from America, writers and devs who are uh, based mm. out of Brazil or Spain. And like, you're totally right. It's fascinating. <laughs> like it's, it's <laughs> totally different. Um, it's, it's, it's a different way of looking at games. They have totally fresh insights that mm-hmm. we have, like, we just take for granted that like, you know, Western games writing is, is where it's at. And it's, it's mm-hmm. like, man, there's just like so many other perspectives out there. And <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And like getting them, getting them out there seems, I, I think I'm the same way as you in that like part Part, maybe not because I'm a hopeless romantic, maybe because I'm a, a um, perpetual self-deprecator. Uh, <laughs> but I just, like, my work is much less interesting to me than the work of others. So, like, yeah. to make my work the work of others is, like, really fun. Yeah, and I and I think, like, I, I go back and forth on my feelings on quote-unquote community, but I really do think that, like, I think games as an art form have a certain uh inbuilt cooperation mm. uh especially like in the in the interplay of like designers and developers and critics i think that's like a really ideally that is a really nice beautiful back and forth of these kind of three semi disparate groups um of like of critique and and of and of reiteration and of uh narration of, of like narrative development and things like that and i just yeah, it's, uh, the one thing that I keep saying to all my friends is like, you know, like in 20 years, I don't know where the fuck I'm going to be. 
uh, like, I don't know if I'm going to be like in press or if I'm going to be a critic or if I'm going to be a developer or if I'm going to go back into academia or whatever the fuck. But I know don't that go back I into want academia. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but I know that I want it to be about games. Like, that's the one thing that I'm like super clear on is like, nice. yeah, yeah. Games are cool and important and I like them and I want to stay doing them somehow. <laughs> well, I, I love that. And I, I've already kept you over an hour. And I think uh, I oh, think yeah, that is cool. No, I mean I know, but I think I think that is exactly the kind of thing we should end on. I I, I am very grateful for for that last bit because that was um, I don't think we talk enough about like well I don't think I talk enough I I I control the programming here I use the royal <laughs> we but I should not no, use I it so it. much that I actually deflect blame from myself in in my own yeah. personal like musings um, that would be you know taking a step too far uh, <laughs> but no I mean like there's there's a lot of discussion of critique and about critique, but not so much about the importance of critique. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a really nice way of putting it. Um, so with that said, everyone go read the orbital, everyone go, uh, subscribe, support the orbital. It's at D orbital D E O R B I T A L. Um, Dante, you're at video Dante. Yeah, I'm at Video Dante. Uh, uh, let's see. I Deorbital has a website at deorbital.media. Um, Very nice. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at Video Dante. I have a website at dante.cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if website. there's anything else I have to plug. Yeah, uh, you have your itch. There's, there's itch. I do have an itch. Yeah, VideoDante.io. Video do you have like yeah. a Patreon? Anything? Anything going on other than that? Uh, I I don't really. Um, if you want to throw me money, throw money at Deorbital. We have a, a GoFundMe going on that's kind of running in perpetuity to support the next uh, two issues of our quarterly before we finish up this round of Deorbital. Uh, that's over at GoFundMe.com/slash/Deorbital-Quarterly. Everyone can um, do it. Yeah, it's please do. Stuff. That'd be cool. Um, I uh, yeah. I would actually love. I will, I will ask you on air as as a as mm-hmm. a. And you can say no, and then Julian can <laughs> hand it out. Um, okay. But as a, as a, as an advertisement, um, I would love to have you on a premium episode to just like see if we can come up with a timeline of video games criticism. Because if nothing else, uh, oh yo, okay. yeah, oh nice. I would, I would super be down. <laughs> okay, great. We're, we're gonna schedule that, but uh, if, okay. for, for very soon. Because uh, if anything, deorbital being around is it encourages me because. All the stuff that came before, like just this moment of games criticism, is so disappointing and so troubling. Not mm-hmm. not all of it. That's unfair. Much of it. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. like that, there's something out there, like the orbital. There's something out there, like 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 Waypoint or, or whatever. Like it's cool. It, it makes me feel good about what people are doing and and you know the the genre of criticism for the future. So thank you for that, mm-hmm. and uh, thanks for coming on. This was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. This is really good. All right. Talk to you Um, soon. Oh, good. Yeah. Talk to you later. No, I I was just going to say bye. (laughs) Extremely (laughs) smooth. Let's try that one more time. Uh, Bye, Dante. See you, Trevor. (laughs)